If you're interested in sponsoring How You Play the Game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Please remember, these episodes are considered for mature audiences only. There is some language and some mature discussion. Ah, the Sportsmanship Podcast has always been celebrated for its excellence. Or is it How You Play the Game by the Osip Foundation? Inspired by that same French excellence, it's fermented in the bottle and like the best French champagnes, it's vintage dated by Paul Masson. 102 Take 3. Action, please. Ah, the French. I have been, I, I've watched some of those videos. I know, we've, I know I've opened with that before, but I've been mm-hmm. watching some of those videos too much recently, especially since we discovered... And every permutation thereof. Oh, absolutely. That's why. Because when you hear the musical versions, you know, they get stuck in your head and then you find yourself driving and listening to them. And then, you know, when people flip you off, you go, oh, the French, <laughs> you know? So, and then you start singing, the French, I wouldn't go to France. <laughs> but anyway, hey, it's How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Osa Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of the month of September. The year is 2020. As always, you can contact the show. The website address is osafoundation.org. The email address is podcast at osafoundation.org. On social media, you've got facebook.com slash Foundation and Twitter and Instagram are both at OSIP Foundation. Hashtag how you play the game across the way from me. As always, our producer engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, hello. How are you? Do you ever breathe? Nope. Okay. This, that was a, that was a, <laughs> you asked a very simple question. I gave you a very simple answer. Isn't that, boy, I wish that's how life worked. Oh, huh? you have no idea, man. Um, Funny story, when I was in high school in, in band, under the direction of our good friend Gary Swabadison, he did a contest one day of who could hold their breath the longest mm-hmm. by everybody play a note, and whoever's playing last obviously wins. And out of almost 100 people, I won. So It's not surprising. No, I, well, <laughs> listen, I am full of hot air. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, but uh-huh. you know what? Yeah, key, insert the end of your favorite joke here. <laughs> Wait, even that sounded dirty. Never mind. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, let's get right into it. We got a couple yeah. of things to talk about. Sure. Um, first, uh, let's talk about uh, Novak Djokovic and what happened that? to him. How about that, huh? Now, Now, I saw it. And then you actually texted me mm-hmm. uh, on your own accord. Mm-hmm. So why don't you take it and start by talking to me about what you saw and experienced as you were perceiving it? Well, to be perfectly honest, so I, I um, because I don't really read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I glimpsed through it and I did see the video. Right. Apparently, he was frustrated. Uh, with was it with a call or with? I, I don't know if it was with a call or a play that he made. Uh, but but the the skinny end of it is that 
he, uh, in frustration, uh, hit the ball pretty hard behind him and to the left. Back and, and, and to, to the left. <laughs> um, that is one magic loogie. I think it took a bounce off the court and it hit a line judge square in the throat. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he was very, I, I, I mean, once he realized he did it, he turned around quickly and was like, oh, my God. But um, the fact of the matter is, you know, he's been called out before for, I mean, for actions that are unsportsmanlike. Right. Uh, and uh, the result of this instance caused injury. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, for those of you who don't, I mean, I played tennis for maybe a couple years, and then I stopped when I realized how much running was involved. <laughs> so you don't but, run and you don't read. I know. What? I do, I what do else relax. Don't you, you relax I do a lot? relax. And, the, uh, the third R. <laughs> Um, what would you say you do here? You do here. Because <laughs> I feel well, like if we keep asking you what you don't do, the list will never end. Right. So um, You're really painting me out to be a lazy SOB, aren't well, you? <laughs> well, listen, I'm not that far behind. <laughs> it's not like I'm um, trying to make you out to be the bad guy and I'm the good guy. Well, I know. Well, but yeah. still... <laughs> So uh, the, uh, I guess the, the whole point is that, you know, what, what he did was very clearly unsportsmanlike. First of all, uh, when, you, when you act out of anger, I mean, it's, it's one thing to have thoughts of a call or a particular action or, I mean, re remember when we were on the golf course last week or earlier this week? And I chunked like three shots in a row. I had a great tee shot. What was it off the 16th hole? And I and I chunked three shots on the approach towards the green. And I was so angry with myself, but I didn't throw my club. I didn't, you know, I didn't start hacking away at trees. I I I just said a lot of four-letter words. Yeah. But I, they weren't directed towards anyone. Right. Right. They were, they were inward. They were like, come on, Sean, let's get in the game here. Yeah. What is this? What amateur, is this amateur hour? hour? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, but, but when it's when you direct that anger outwards, uh, it, it is, it is, uh, it's dangerous. Yeah. It can be dangerous not only to yourself because, one, you're portraying yourself as someone who is belligerent. Right. You are portraying yourself as someone who can't accept uh, failure on the way to success because we cannot succeed without there being failure. And three, it's dangerous to other people. So, uh, and I was going to say before, <laughs> for, you know, uh, for those of you who play tennis, tennis balls can go really fast. Yes. And I'm talking like upwards of 150 miles an hour. If yeah, not. if you, if you watch the, any professional tennis match, they usually have 
a a speedometer, kind of like a pitch mm-hmm. speed thing. Right. And and they'll gauge how hard that serve is coming in. Right. Um, and it can get up there. Yeah. Okay. And it is very dangerous. So yeah. I, and I mean, don't don't be fooled just because a tennis ball is fuzzy. Give, soft, yeah. It's no. Don't, that, it hurts. That give is not meant to hit you and go, hey, that's downy <laughs> soft. Right. Okay. Yeah. Downy, if you'd like to sponsor the show. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point is though, like the, the line judge was was hit square in the throat. I yeah. mean to get hit in the arm or the leg or the gut with a tennis ball going at that speed, that hurts already. Yeah. But to get hit in the throat, uh it's debilitating. So, and, and not only that, but you've got, when that happens, you, you have a whole different set of emotions mm-hmm. that, that start surfacing from multiple parties. You know, when, when you hit whatever the sport is, if you hit somebody in the leg, you know, um, mm-hmm. how, you know, however, you know, whatever happens, you know, it's easy to brush it off, mm-hmm. you know? when you hit someone in the throat, which can literally happen with the exact same action and reaction. Mm -hmm. It's a difference of a fraction of an inch Mm -hmm. or an angle and bad stuff can happen. Right. I mean, because if you think if you're hit from the front, that could crush your vocal cords. Yep. It could, it could, you know, if you're hit from the back, that can you can be paralyzed, right? Because it can it can hit a spinal a spinal nerve, right? So you, I mean, I, it, so so when Djokovic hit the ball initially, he was angry, and then he realized, oh whoa, wow, yeah, okay. For a split second, he realized, oh yeah, my anger has caught up with me and to other people. And he realized what he did, at least from the video that I, that I had seen, he realized, oh, my God, what have I done? But Wait, say that again as Anakin Skywalker in episode three. <laughs> oh, my God, what have I done? And now I'm going to say something that I researched last night. Palpatine's behind it all. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that, you know, whether you feel remorse I mean, that's part of it, but whether you feel remorse for the immediate action or not, uh, it, 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 the fact of the matter is that he outwardly projected his anger right. and harmed someone as a result of that. And it is uh, the subsequent penalties and uh, reparations he received as a result Sort of, I think sort of reflect that, and I'll let you, I guess, if you could sure. embellish on that. Yeah, well, you know, the first thing I want to say is just to kind of piggyback off of what you said. Compare this to what happened, I guess it was last year, between the Colorado Rockies and San Diego Padres when Manny Machado threw his bat Mm. And Bill Welke ejected him. We had we had Tim McCaffrey on the show to talk about that. Mm. And you know, the whole thing was here's a projectile that could kill someone. And people are bemoaning Bill Welke for 
trying to enforce a penalty. And Manny Machado, who was suspended, does, uh, did he come out with the same remorse that Djokovic did? I mean, I, I'd, have to go, I remember. I'd have to go back and look, so I don't want people to, to, to misquote me or anything like that. But my initial gut reaction right now is that at least Djokovic came out and was just like, I'll take this as a learning experience. You know, Machado was like, said nothing. And I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I'm not even going to try and uh, come up with an idea of where to point to, to, wh- to whence to point as with regard to <laughs> what, why that is. Is it a character thing? Is it a culture thing? I don't even want to try and, and go there. But Well, to split hairs, I mean, did Machado actually hit anyone with the bat? No. Okay. So, yeah. so if you want to play devil's had, advocate. Right. Do you, you think if he had hit someone, whether it be a spectator or uh, an official or another player, I think he would be having a different tune. Well, don't forget also, and we forget this easily right now, when he did this last year, the, 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 the crowds were there. You know, as we record this now, as we look at Djokovic, there are no spectators mm-hmm. in these venues. Okay. So last year when this happened, he missed the crowd. Now, granted, there was probably a net there, but mm-hmm. still, that net is not a guarantee that it's going to protect somebody from a yeah. bat right. of all things, okay? Yeah. So, so the point being that, again, how, how, how thin do you want to slice the bologna here? Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, I mean, we can draw, we can compare and contrast and, and, and whatnot all we want. But, you know, a... Uh, this, this default, if, for those of you who don't know, a default in tennis is the equivalent of an ejection. Um, it's, it's a disqualification uh, due to a violation spelled out either in the official Grand Slam rulebook or the code of conduct regulations from the tours. Um, you know, it can happen as a result of a single incident uh, off, the, off the court during play. Um, Mm. you know, it's, you know, like illegal betting, for example, can result in it. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 it usually involves unsportsmanlike conduct, stalling, abusive equipment or officials, uh, coaching, using, using foul language. Um, you know, and and, and again, defaults are relatively rare. I'm, I'm kind of looking a lot of this at an ESPN article right now. It makes you think like... There are a lot of tennis players out there. I think of Serena Williams as one. Mm-hmm. How she has not racked up a, a, a ton of defaults by now, especially after saying some of the things that she has been, she has been known to say, like, I will, I will take this ball and shove it down your throat to a chair umpire. Yeah. You know, like, like what in the, you know. So I'm just kind of scrolling through here and – um, you know, there, there are a number of uh, penalties and other punishments that, that he will, uh, incur, uh, you know, fines, forfeiting of ranking points. Um, he loses, uh, the $163,000 he earned for reaching the fourth round in the open. Wow. So once you say that to the average person, that's where I want to look at him and go, $163,000. Mm-hmm. 
You are, you are willing to let your anger get the better of you to forfeit $163,000, an amount that you and I might kill for. I know. Okay. Now, did he know he was going to lose that money before he did this? I mean, I I guess it's, you can't premeditate. No. And here's the other thing too, is that, you know, as well as I know that when participants, when uniformed personnel, if you will, get involved in situations like this, they rarely know the rules and the penalties. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, We've talked about Aaron Boone and not knowing the rules of the game Mm -hmm. when he took that ESPN survey and now he's the manager of the Yankees for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of people do not understand that when they get into trouble, they're going to get hit with some sort of penalty, monetary, suspension, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I just, I... I, I, I'm beside myself a little bit, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, just in that I'm, I guess the best way to describe it for me is I'm saddened and I'm disappointed that we have this person who is a tennis superstar who has made a mistake, which we all do. We all make mistakes, so we can't hold that against them, mm-hmm. but has, has let this happen. Um, Right. You know, if it was a first time offense, you know, granted, it's probably his first default like this, um, you know, but but, you know, you you said Mm -hmm. it yourself is that, you know, he's had a temper before. Right. And, And, you know, and what, you know, some things to consider. I mean, you've got to weigh it from both sides because there's never one side to any story. right. Right. He did not do it intentionally. I mean, he hit it behind him. Right. right. He's not, he's not going to look at the guy or the, was it the woman? It was it, a woman. It was a woman. Yeah. Sorry. It was a woman. He's not going to look at the woman and aim for her throat. Right. Right. So, uh, so he was completely by accident. Uh, but it doesn't excuse the fact that he was still acting outwardly, you know? So there's still that to contend with. Right. And I think that's what he's being, that is what that is that that is the reason for his punishment i believe yeah um it's very similar to in baseball if you you know you strike out you throw your bat you throw your helmet you know most of the time not all when a player does that he's frustrated at himself mhm you know and an, and an umpire can issue an equipment violation as a result of that, which is not an ejection, but he, 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 he verbalizes it and points to it, writes it down on his lineup card, and then after the game files a report. And it usually comes with a small monetary fine, which is a completely separate thing to discuss as well, because I don't know if you knew this, um, in the collective bargaining agreement in Major League Baseball, when, a, when uniformed personnel or anybody really is, is issued a fine uh, like that, it's a voluntary tax deduction. <laughs> I, I kid you not. What? I kid you not. The, the CBA says that when, when a fine is levied, what is essentially happening is 
a player or a coach or a manager is writing a check to Major League Baseball that don't is make to, this don't make this rated M for immature. No, that, I, I have that a is, bunch of four letter words lined up. That is that is that is immediately You've got to be is deposited in an account for charitable purposes, and then the player can write it off at the end of the year. There is silence. I can't even begin. If I could write off parking tickets, this would be a little bit better. If I could yeah. write off, you know, if I could right. write off speeding tickets. Yeah. You know? I'd be committing, I'd be speeding all over the place. Exactly. If Are I could write off, if I could write off the, the, the jewelry I buy my girlfriend. So what's the incentive? There is none. And that's the problem. What's the incentive? You, you, okay. Hey, you're charged $1,500 for cracking a helmet. And even though they're probably not worth, well, they might be worth that much. I don't know. How much are helmets worth? I don't know. Two, three hundred? I was going to say two, three bucks, but. But at a, at a major league level? I, listen, I, that, wherever they're manufactured, who knows, you know? But the point is that, okay, so you're fine, $1,500. First of all, these cats make seven figures a year. $600,000 minimum. Min minimum. Yeah. Right? To be so, in the major leagues for the full year. First of all, 1500 is not that much. Right. It's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket for them. And on top of that, they can write that off? Why, why, how are we not seeing yeah. baseball players everywhere just destroying shit? I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> they, they just write it off. <laughs> you don't even know what the write-off is. Do you? No. But they do. And they're the ones who write it off. <laughs> but I, I cannot, I'm sty, I'm just, I am flummoxed. Nice word. You like that? Uh, you like that? I can't, I, I really cannot fathom that. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the God's honest truth. So at the end of the year, they rack up all their, uh, all their broken equipment or equipment violations. And, and ejections, because ejections come oh, with it right. as well. You know? Oh, good. Okay. Can you imagine their accountant? All right, Johnson, uh, rack up my. Uh, well, what, what do we got on the final tally? What, what do we got on the on the big board here? <laughs> well, well, Joe, it looks like you've got uh, fifteen equipment violations, seventeen ejections. Boy, wow, you get to write off what sixty, seventy thousand dollars on your taxes. Make sure you get a receipt. Oh yeah, you know. Who's in charge of writing the receipts at Major League Baseball? That's, what, that's the guy I want to have a beer with. I mean, I don't know 100% how that works, but I, I, am I in the ballpark, no pun intended? You can probably estimate that the, you know, a, a, an equipment... 17 ejections is a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, think, I think I saw it recently when Bryce Harper was ejected recently in a Mets-Phillies game. They did the math. He's racked up like 16 or 17 career ejections by now. And okay. if, you, if you divide that by the number of games played, he is listed as MLB's biggest hothead now 
now that David Ortiz has retired because he racks up X number of ejections per game. And second behind him is, is the Rockies' Matt Kemp, who's been playing since, like, what, 2006 now? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but, but an equipment violation or an ejection, I mean, that can be anywhere from 500 to to $1,000 minimum. You know, also depending upon is it a player, is it a coach, because there is that um, idea that, you know, managers, for example, will get ejected for uh, very superficial reasons in order to try and defend their team or inspire their team. And we've talked about it before that umpires at the major league level know that. And in a crowd full of ravaging fans an umpire can have an argument with a manager where the manager is you know waving his hands and pointing and whatnot and if no mics are hot they can hear you know they can't hear the manager say things like that was absolutely the right call and i'm only out here doing this in order to show my team that i'm backing them up and you have every right to be right here and i am sorry if i'm spitting on you you know so so it's yeah, no, it's it's very unfortunate, and 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 it um, to 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 experience the feelings that you're experiencing as you learn that I think is exceptionally normal, and 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 unfortunate in itself that 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 you have to experience that because yeah. you know now now this actually is a good transition mm-hmm. to our next topic, okay. Um, Washington Nationals general manager Mike Rizzo has been uh, called a lot of names behind the scenes. Now, he looks like a decent dude because his team just won the World Series last year. Mm-hmm. But, and I quote, on, uh, I'm looking at CloseCallSports.com because they have a whole write-up about this. Mm-hmm. And the first person to comment as they talked about this incident that we're about to discuss, is retired Major League Baseball umpire Bob Davidson. Balkan Bob. Mm -hmm. And he says, and I quote, Gentlemen, please let me tell you from firsthand experience that Mike Rizzo is a piece of fecal matter. And he goes on to say, at City Field in New York... The umpires have a long walk to get back to the umpire's locker room. On two different occasions, Rizzo went after umpires because he was pissed off. Jim Joyce, who we all know as the guy who kicked the perfect game but is the, one of the nicest, hardest-working guys in the world, and Phil Cuzzy, who resides in New Jersey, hmm. were the guys that Rizzo went after. So... He's got a reputation, okay? Now, recently there was a game between the Nationals and the Braves, and Rizzo was there. I believe the game was in Washington. So Rizzo came down from – I'm sorry, it was in Atlanta, I think. So it came down from Washington. Mm -hmm. And Rizzo is in the the club level – in one of the private suites, and he's outside in the seats outside watching the game. And remember, the stands are empty, okay? Hunter Wendelstedt is behind the plate. Mm-hmm. The crew chief is Joe West. And Rizzo, who can be heard throughout the entire stadium, is yelling at Wendelstedt. 
So finally, he yells out, you're blank and terrible, and the blank is an F word, mm -hmm. okay? And Wendelstedt turns around, points at the luxury suites, and orders the removal of Mike Rizzo, stating, you're done, you're out, we'll wait for you. He then turns to Atlanta manager Brian Snicker and says, call security. Okay? So, so... Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, if, if you read additional comments... Now, wait. When you told me, I thought you said Joe West was the one who ejected. No, it was Wendelstedt who ejected him. Joe West had to do some of the dirty work because he was the crew chief. So, for example, West had to be the one to call the security or speak to security once mm -hmm. Brian Snicker got him on the phone and this, that, the other. Mm -hmm. And when you look at social media and all of the other media uh, accounts, it's Joe West who gets the blame for this because he's Joe West. It's a, it's, it is a ridiculous interpretation, and we'll get into this in a second, too. Mm -hmm. Okay? The Associated Press actually had to talk to Joe West afterwards because when, when something like this goes on, usually what happens is one pool reporter can talk to the crew chief, and that's it. Okay? okay? So a pool reporter who was from the Associated Press said to uh, – Joe West said to him or her, quote, I wouldn't take that from a player. I wouldn't take it from a manager. If it was Donald Trump, I'd eject him too, but I'd still vote for him. <laughs> so now, now, moving on from the situation, Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman, who was playing in the game, said to uh, the, the, the media that Rizzo was so loud, you could hear him throughout the entire field. And, and – it, it, it was absolutely sick. Now, now he, he didn't actually get kicked out. What he, was, what he ended up doing was going inside to his luxury box and watching the rest of the game from inside the luxury box. So, you know, it's, it's just so – I mean, it's not as bad as players being able to write off their fines, <laughs> okay? Um. It's just, it's, it is so ridiculous. And the reason, you know, one of the reasons that I have a major issue with this too is the following. So, well, first of all, before I get to that, a couple of things. This is from Tim McCaffrey from Close Call Sports. Um, he says, quote, that he has sources telling him that what Rizzo did was a no-no, which is he used – like I said, you're effing brutal. It's not only enough to say the F word, which I mean, which is in professional sports, that's nothing. I mean, major league umpires hear it all the time. That's effing brutal. That's effing terrible. And you know what? They don't get ejected for that. When they get ejected is when they use the magic word, you, mm -hmm. or some conjugation thereof. When it's directed okay. towards them. Exactly. So the reason that this is a problem for me is, so the next, the next thing that happens is I turn on the TV on Tuesday morning, and I'm watching MLB Central. And 
they have a segment that they usually do on Mondays. They did it on Tuesday because of the holiday. It's a kind of, it's a real stupid segment, but it's called jukebox jams. And what they do is they have every person who's on the show gets to pick one song that kind of reminds them of what happened over the weekend Mm -hmm. in baseball. And I'm listening to it and, you know, I don't, I, I, I laugh, but I don't really pay that much attention. Robert Flores, who was one of the three hosts of MLB Central, picks a song. I can't remember what song it was. And the song he picked was because of Joe West doing all of this. And it was a derogatory remark and basically calling him out, saying, here's Joe West again doing what Joe West does. And it was, you know, I, I, I lost it. Just like you lost it when you talked about the, the fines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I tweeted at Robert Flores. And it's about almost noon at this point. And I said, Roflo, which is his nickname and his handle, please stop using the term ump show. It is a derogatory term, and it shows that you don't understand what happened in this incident. Do the research. This, this, it wasn't even Joe West who ejected him. It was Wendelstedt for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you're blaming it on Joe West, and you're saying this is ridiculous, and blah, 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 blah. And within minutes, during a commercial break on live television, Robert Flores tweets back at me and says, quote, I don't have to do anything, Jack. So I decided, okay, time to write a letter. <laughs> now, let me preface this with something. You and I talk about, have talked about the cancel culture before, mm-hmm. Okay. When I get so incensed that I have to write a letter like this, I make it a point to say, I don't want to do this in the, in the frame of the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Like to say, how dare he do this? He deserves to be punished, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I, I do it to spark conversation and to express my disappointment, right? you know, respectfully. There's a lot of, you know, to, to, to the antithesis to this is people to say, well, just don't watch it. Right. And to be honest with you, that's I mean, what I not, did. You're probably not expecting a response. Not at all. You're not just, at all. You're just saying what's on your mind. Exactly. Not at all. And, and I turned it off and I didn't watch MLB Network the rest of the day. Um, you know, it's, I have, you know, it's, it's very simple. I don't have to watch it. And, but, I, but I felt moved to, to write something. And I want to read that letter because I think not only does it speak to the whole situation that we're talking about here, but it also kind of gives an idea of where, you know, the, in meme culture, when you, the, the, the cancel culture like that is you call that person a Karen because they want to mm-hmm. talk to the manager, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try very hard not to be Karen. Okay. Um, I've, I've, I've written letters before and what's funny is that my girlfriend's great uncle is a great letter writer and he does not fit the bill at all as someone who wants things canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, when he writes letters like this, he does it to prove a point to, again, talk about his displeasure and, and, and like me, I think what, the big thing is we talk about vulnerability. 
Mm. You know, that's the big thing here is we don't go on the offensive. We just talk about how we're hurt. Right. So, so I addressed this to Rob McGlary, who's the president of MLB Network, and I've sent it via USPS snail mail. And I said, dear Rob, I hope you and yours are well during these odd times. As an avid baseball fan, I find myself watching MLB Network more than any other network on television, including during the offseason. It helps to feed the desire I have to enjoy the sport that is in my blood from all aspects. And I applaud you for what you've created and provided for more than 10 years. Recently, however, I have reached a threshold where I felt like I had to turn the network off due to comments made by on-air personalities. It saddened me to make such a decision because I find myself unable to live without it during this pandemic and shortened season. Further, I have so many connections to professional baseball that I felt guilty to do so as if I was insulting part of my family. I find myself ensconced in baseball. I continue to play in adult recreational league following a brief Division I college stint. I've coached teams of all ages, and I've watched baseball religiously and, and travel to games into Cooperstown almost annually. But I've also been an umpire since 2007, certified to work New Jersey high school contests while working diligently at the craft to, cons- to constantly improve and, be- and bring integrity to the game. I simply do not understand how on-air personalities are allowed to publicly criticize umpires when the paychecks come from the same entity. It is the legal textbook definition of a hostile work environment. Although the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment grants free speech and freedom of the press, which I will defend, I am saddened by the comments made by your on-air personalities because they show a lack of research and factual evidence on how the craft operates negating true objective reporting and reducing the content on the network to a quote, good old boys club, end quote, mm. that has objective, that, that has the sole purpose of garnering ratings rather than helping to explain why the behavior of team personnel cannot mimic that of petulant children. The network comes off as biased cable news, favoring only one party, the average fan who wants to see the opponent defeated whether it is a rival from the American League East or a crew of four veteran umpires. In the past, I have tried to express this concern via proper avenues of contacting a show like High Heat, only to have Christopher Russo brush my comments off simply because they do not align with his. Although that is Russo's want and right, it proved to me that Russo still has deficiencies in his understanding of how the rules of the game work. No better example is needed than his displeasure at Sam Holbrook's running lane interference call during the 2019 World Series, where Russo lambasted Holbrook for, quote, inserting himself into the game, end quote. The facts don't matter to Russo, even though it was the correct call. His opinion was all that mattered to him, rather than the proper interpretation and application of the rule. One can dislike the rule while also admitting that it exists and was also administered properly. On September 8th, 2020, I was watching MLB Central when a segment of Jukebox Jams allowed Robert Flores to to bemoan Joe West for the removal of Nationals general manager Mike Rizzo due to his inappropriate comments during the game between the Nationals and the Braves. Flores clearly did not do his research in understanding why the dismissal was made, not to mention it was Hunter Wendelstedt who initiated the removal, not West. Rather, Flores simply aligned with the ignorant fans that spew hatred on social media towards umpires without understanding that a general manager in an empty ballpark should not be yelling expletives towards an umpire, especially while using the word or conjugation thereof, you. Perhaps stupid on my part, I sent a tweet to Flores immediately after the segment, thinking it would never be read as is the case with many celebrities who never take the time to pay attention to the fans. 
I asked Flores to stop using the term ump show, which is a derogatory term that perpetuates a stereotype towards officials that enforces the segregation between officials and the rest of the baseball world. I further asked Flores to properly research the incident to understand the truth behind it before making a comment on it. To my chagrin, Flores did respond almost immediately by saying, quote, I don't have to do anything, Jack, end quote. Such a response shows a flippant disregard for the people who simply want to defend the truth, which saddens me as a human being. The response has overtones that resemble a person who does not want to stop using vocabulary that is racially charged because it happens to be, quote, how he feels, end quote. For an organization such as Major League Baseball that claims to care about social justice as much as it does, perhaps social justice should begin by bringing justice to the officials who try to maintain its integrity on the field. Ironically, it is absolutely true that Flores does not have to do anything, much like I don't have to watch his show. There are intelligent and factual websites that are easily accessible that will allow people like Flores and Russo to be educated on how the world of officiating works. I think of my friends at Close Call Sports as a prime example, which I know Major League Baseball has investigated in the past. A little time spent better understanding how the world of officiating works would go a long way for these personalities and entice me to turn the network back on again. There is no better example of how, pe uh, how proper understanding towards officials can be conveyed than recent comments made by Tom Grieve during a Texas Rangers broadcast. Umpire Nate Tomlinson was making his debut and had three overturned calls. Grieve discussed how it was not right to take shots at an umpire, especially one making his debut. Those are the words of an on-air personality I want to watch. I find myself very conflicted as I conclude this letter, hoping that my vulnerability allows me to be relatable. I defend free speech, especially when I know there is no negative intent, such as a passing joke. I laugh and find myself using the same jokes as many of the on-air personalities. I want to watch, and I want to be distracted from the world right now. Perhaps some of the personalities say some of the things they do because they also are not content with the state of the world. Could it be that they were wronged by umpires in the past, thus making them psychologically project that all umpires are bad? Could they be frustrated that life isn't the way it once was? I also don't like to say I'll never watch the network again, nor would I tell others to boycott the network. The cancel culture is toxic and solves nothing. I do not wish to punch downwards at people with whom I find fault. And I apologize if there is any part of this letter that exudes such a feeling. What I seek is empathy and understanding, bridging gaps rather than lengthening divides. I want the people at MLB Network to better understand why I get upset when comments are made towards umpires. There is nothing wrong with simple disagreement so long as it doesn't take the form of not treating others as they would wish to be treated. And then I conclude the letter and blah, 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 blah. I can see you were distracted by your cat. <laughs> no, I was paying attention. Okay. Um, see, when when I hear book, when I hear read, when I hear people read, you you zone out I, because you no, don't. I pay, no, I pay attention. Okay, because you don't when read. I try to read, right? And when you do, you don't run either. It's right. I don't read. I don't run. You rest and relax. So <clears throat> we we when we had Doctor Nicholas Michaud on our yep. last on our last show. 
Ha ha. Um, one of the questions that I asked him is that, is it, is it viable for us to have, it's, it's, is, is, it, is it enough for us to be entitled to our opinion or should we be entitled to what we can argue for? For which we can argue. For which we can argue. You're going to kill me, aren't you? Sure am. <laughs> so, I, it's one thing to have an opinion and if you're like with a group of friends and you're just saying, you're just blurting out stuff and you're not really thinking and you're like, you just come out and say something stupid and... Which is basically you and I on the golf course all the time. Right. And, yeah. you know, that's okay. But if you're trying to have a legit argument and you have an opinion, well, you can't back it up with facts or with evidence. Uh, in my eyes, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Because you're just being flippant and you're not... You're, you're just saying whatever comes to your mind and you're not, there's no facts or evidence to back up what you say and you can't find those facts and evidence. So I'm not going to take what you say seriously, but here's the thing. You stated various examples in your letter to support your opinion. Um, you know, for Rowflow to respond to your tweet by just saying, well, paraphrasing, I'm, I don't have to do anything. Oh, well, okay, but can you give us examples, like examples as to why you think it's this way? Can you give us evidence? Can you support your opinion with facts? Or are you just going on pure emotion? Right. Because when you go on pure emotion, it's relatable in a casual setting. You can say, man, that guy's an asshole. Yeah, okay, you can say that. But if you're trying to say, well, this guy in a professional setting, probably wouldn't use the word asshole, but I would say this guy is a not so good person. Right. Because A, B, and C. Then you had then you're on to something. Right. But so my my opinion and my opinion on this, no pun intended, is that you are entitled for what you can argue, not just your opinion. Right. And uh, you know, and, and Dr. Michelle responded, I believe he said. Um, you know, he understood the question and, and we, because at the time we were talking about the, the sportsmanship of the debate, right. Right. Of arguing and does saying that you're entitled to what you can argue for propagate unnecessary, uh, hostile feelings or hostile motivations. And, um, I guess the answer was inconclusive, but that's okay because it's not so much about the answer. It's about the question. And it's about the process and it's about the, forgive me for saying it, the debate. 
you know, the, the journey, because when you go through that, you, you uncover things and you struggle with things and you wrestle with things. And that can be much more important. That experience can be much more important than the, than the conclusion. Right. You know, um, and to piggyback off of what you said, you know, I think it's important to also recognize it's okay to have feelings. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to, to, to have feelings and reactions to things. I'm not saying that, Robert Flores is wrong for feeling anything for, from, from perceiving this event that involved Joe West and Mike Rizzo. He's allowed to feel that way, mm-hmm. okay? Just like, you know, anybody in, you know, any, any constituent is allowed to feel anything, you know, in the po- political arena, mm-hmm. okay? You know, it's about how you present it then and how you deal with it and how you talk about it where you, you, you really get to see what's behind it. You know, if a politician does or says something and you react to it, how, you know, negatively or, or, you know, you come out against it and whatnot, you're allowed to have a, you know, a meaningful, mentionable, manageable feeling, but then don't come out and say, well, you were wrong and here's why without, the you know the 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 evidence to back it up right without the why (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) you know like when we when we look at politics and we're in an election year we're living in you know an election season now i think one of the big things that we have to remember especially as we debate and how we have we're going to have disagreements on a lot of stuff a lot of these thoughts and feelings that we have are just thoughts and feelings and they're valid because they come from a place where they entwine with our emotions and our experiences. Um, and that's fine. You know, if you tell me something about your political belief, you know, and, and, and you talk to me about it in a way that discusses what you've experienced in the past and how it's made you feel, I, what, I, what I want nothing more is to be present to that and to better understand why you feel that way in order to perhaps offer something that can be of use to you. Mm-hmm. Um, or to just open a dialogue. Exactly. By contrast, if you come out and you tell me that so-and-so politician is wrong and you, know, and, and you don't have the the facts to back it up and you're only trying to back it up because of your experience and your feeling, you know, you're presenting it in a way that doesn't have the same context. And that's where I begin to have an issue. I will, I will never have an issue. I think with people with whom I disagree when their opinions are presented to me in the context and in the framework of their experience. And I think, I think Nick talked about that in a way in that Mm -hmm. he said people's experiences frame their, you know, what they express and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that goes back to kind of Mr. Rogers saying that feelings are mentionable and manageable. It's when you then try and present a political argument without facts, without, you know, concrete evidence, mm-hmm. or not even politi- any argument, doesn't have to be political, that it becomes problematic. If Roflo wanted to talk about how this whole thing made him upset, fine. But to then, to then, you know, go off the deep end like this is 
where we draw the line mm -hmm. because you're using, you know, incorrect evidence to try and support your claim. If he wanted to say, you know, it was really stupid what this umpire crew did with Mike Rizzo. Okay. You're entitled to that opinion. But then to, 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 to back it up by saying this is Joe West's fault, this is just Joe West being Joe West, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's where I'm like, you don't even have the facts correct. Okay? So, so how can I take you seriously? You know, in the spirit of sportsmanship, one of the things that you do in a debate is instead of telling the other person why they're wrong, wrong, why why they're, why they're wrong, wrong, can't talk. You can't. You, you why can't human. Wrong. Is that why, like Doctor Wongberger from Aqua Teen Hunger yeah. Force? <laughs> so instead of telling the other person why they're wrong, why don't you explain why you are right? Yeah. You know, it 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 it, it is a debate is not unlike an athletic competition in that you are competing with someone, not against someone. Yeah. So instead of lambasting the other person, how about, how about some humility? Right. How about learning from each other? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I've always thought this, but I always thought that, you know, not to get political, but presidential debates should not be in front of huge crowds. I agree with you 100%. And you and I come from... I don't from... think they should be... They, like, if, you're, if your 30 seconds is up, cut the mic. Yeah. I, and you're, you, are, you are getting... You are sensationalizing it beyond that because these, the producers of these news networks, and the, the, are, they, want, they want the... They, they want them not to follow the rules. Right, and they right? want reaction. They want conflict. Right. You know, that's, that's what gets eyes to the set. It's like watching the kid fall off the skateboard, you know, or the car accident. We all want to watch it. We all, you know, and I'm over here like, no, no, please. And here's the thing, right? In a sports, it's bad enough in a, in a sports contest where players are encouraged to act like idiots to get viewers, right? right? It's it's bad enough. But the outcome of a sports contest is nowhere near as important as the outcome of an election. Right. Right? So these producers who are behind the scenes incur almost encouraging these candidates to go over the time to spew out the mouth just for the ratings are not taking into account there are people who are actually going to vote <laughs> for and be, and there may very well do so because of the outcome of the debate right but that's not what debates are it's debates are supposed to be two differing point of views where the people watching learn from either side. Yep. It's Deep. not it's not about who wins or loses. And then and 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 what we get what we have as a result are people that are it's like, well, did you hear what he said? Well, did you hear what they said? Oh man, he went he he buried 
the other candidate. It's not about that. Yeah. It's not about burying a candidate. It's about listening to what you have to say and learning from one another. And then have everyone in the audience, well, there shouldn't be an audience, but right. having everyone at home who's who's watching to extrapolate what they will and form a structured opinion based on what either side said and go with that right because what i will say and what i will what i will agree with is that oftentimes they'll have fact checks at the end of these debates which I mean, depending on who's doing the fact checking. <laughs> because we have to fact check the fact checks because now. We have to fact check the fact checks, right? Right. So, I mean, you uh, <laughs> you have to look at what news source is saying is fact checking. You have to look at. I mean, so it is really up to the individual who is watching the debate to make an informed decision based on what they see, not based on what the candidates are nowadays saying. But to then look at the news source who's doing the fact checking and then fact check the fact check and check multiple sources. Right. Because that's the only way to get your news now is that right. you can't just read one source. But the problem is that people like me who don't like to read because I'm part, I'm part of the problem, I guess. Yeah, I guess you are. I will. No, you know what? I will read like political arg you know, arguments and articles and, you know, scientific art articles because I am a man of science and I, you know, I'll, I'll read multiple sources. I just, I won't just read because what most people do is they read the headline and they watch a blurry cell phone video taken from 50 feet away. And they think they know everything from that alone right. without, you know, and I'm not referencing one particular event. I'm just saying in general, it could be anything, right? It could be any video that some bystander takes. And then people on social media blow up and they just assume that they know everything because of that one video rather than reading from multiple sources. I'm sorry I'm going on a rant here, but I'm really, really upset because this is not, this is not how debates work. This is not how they should work. By the way, you can you can write off the fines in Major League Baseball. I will. I'm writing <laughs> off everything, but like the debate should not. There should be no audience. The time limits should be adhered to. If the candidate goes over the time, cut the mic. Just cut it and move on to the next. And if they won't shut up, then you take them out and you you just leave them outside for a while for timeout. And I'm not kidding. I'm, uh, I'm because, sorry I'm laughing. but it's, Because yeah. we have people in politics now, and I'm not going to mention any names, who are acting like children. Yeah. Petulant children. And they need to be taken outside for timeout. And, and the same thing, same thing in when sports. They're ready, right. And when they're ready, they can come back in with their handlers, right, get all dolled up again, and, and say, okay, you're going to be oh, – I just turned off my – I just unplugged my headphones in anger. It's not the first time I did this, but <laughs> that then they can that that. But then once they're in front of the camera, they're gonna say, "Okay, are you are we gonna behave now?" And if you and if you do this again, we're gonna have to go to another timeout. That's really what I think. Yeah, and, you know, just have one of those big basketball buzzers. Yeah, <laughs> if, if if they keep if they keep talking, just 
constantly ring it. But I believe this is like whose line is it anyway? Where the points don't matter. Just like politics. I'm like, I'm not editing any of this. Yeah. But you're, so, listen. I'm sorry. Am I making sense? Yes, you are making sense. Okay. And, and, and I, the coda that I will give to that, it looks like you've hurt yourself. I hurt my hand. Oh, um, God. Now I have an excuse for golf tomorrow. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the point that I will make, too, is that if you examine some of the discussion post-debates, and I'm not just talking about presidential debates where it's one Republican versus one Democrat. It has mm. happened recently in debates among nine Democratic candidates where People call out people afterwards, and the excuse is, well, it was a debate. That's what I'm supposed to do. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not what you're supposed to do, okay? And that's a problem. And, and it, you know, and, and it, it's, I mean, listen, people are going to read into this from both of us, and I'll just say it for, for the record, without telling people where we fall on the political spectrum, you and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. We sure don't. Okay. But you and I can see eye to eye on civility mm-hmm. and, and being able to have that discussion. Civil discourse. Exactly. Right. And, and being able to, to, I think, see, where I think you and I have a lot more common ground than other people who don't agree with one another is the fact that in most cases, I don't think that the points that you make with which I disagree are invalid or wrong. Mm -hmm. I think it's more about the application of them. You know, philosophically speaking, a lot of the things that you put forward, I'm like, yeah, that would be great. Mm -hmm. And I would support that if there was a practical way to actually work that out. And I just don't see it that way. I don't see it as practically being, Mm -hmm. you know, feasible. Mm -hmm. But, But philosophically, you couldn't be more right. Yeah. You know? So, so that's plus where... I, you know, plus I have to see you all the time. Well, there is that too. <laughs> you know? It's, got, it's gotten to a point where our, our conversations have devolved mm-hmm. into just gibberish. I mean, you know? for those of you listening, if you ever spend time with us outside of this podcast, we really don't talk about anything, but make, we just really make noises. Yeah. And, and run around and flail our hands. That's exactly. Really- and, 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 and the noises we do make, they might sound like words, but put them together. They're not sentences. No, they're not. You'll, I think one time you'll, what you'll hear is weight, golf, ba, birth, buckets, girth. Yes. Okay. That's, 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 not, that's not a sentence. That's, not, that's nothing. That doesn't make any stupid sense whatsoever. But the one you know? thing, you, well, but, what, but what people need to realize, it's, it's about context. Right. right. It's you are, you know, we know how to be professionals. Right. As it, it may not seem like that, but we do know how to do our jobs. Yeah. And, you know, we know how to have a civilized discussion. And at the end of the discussion and at the end of hearing what each, what we, what we have to say, we can sort of gain a newfound appreciation right. for that point of view. Well, might not, we might not agree with it. That doesn't mean that we hate the other person. Right. That we'll never speak to them again. That, you know, just because they don't agree with us, that means that 
they're wrong because of because I don't know their experiences. That's what I'm waiting for them to tell me. Right. So I I, I think that you know we just have to just take a step back and. You know, it doesn't even have to be on the debate stage. It could be in the living room or, yeah. or outside or, you know, you're having a disagreement with your friend and say, yeah, okay, you know. I, or, or if they bring up a valid point and about their argument, which with you disagree, you can, and, and they come up with a cogent array of facts and data and you, I, I've said in the past, I've said, wow, um, that's something for me to think about. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I think I got this one wrong. Or yeah, at, the, I, at, at the very least, it's breakthrough learning in that you can take right. it and you can think about it later and you can say, maybe I got this wrong. Or you can say, you know what? I thought about it long and hard and I just don't agree still. And yeah. that's fine too. Yeah. You know? But there are people that have changed my mind about things. And, and I, it's not the fact that I mean, I, I could appreciate that and I could, you, you're right over there. I'm good. Yeah, I'm just, my, my armrest decided to move just like your, um, your headphones decided to get unplugged. Oh, okay. Stupid so, armrest. <laughs> how dare they construct an armrest? I know, right? Um, so my, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that your, the point of a debate, no matter what, no matter the stage, is that you learn from it. Yeah. And and if someone can change your mind about something, kudos to them. Yeah. I mean, that's an extraordinary accomplishment. And that's happened to me before. And I'll say to them, I'll come back and say, wow, you know, after the research that I've put into it by reading a couple of articles that you sent me and that I cross-referenced with other articles, you're right. Yeah. And you or or I'll say, well, I see what you're saying. I disagree with it, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. Yeah. Um, it's just my point of view on it. Yep. So I think that's what we kind of have to take into account with all of this is that we are learning from each other. And uh that is, I think, the the epitome of of good sportsmanship within the context of debate is the fact that you're learning. I'll, I'll end with this. Do you remember the unfortunate incident a couple of years ago when there was the shooting at the practice, the baseball practice for the uh, Republican team? Uh, when, you know, the Congress, they have the Congress. Yeah, the Congress. Yeah, yeah. Congress has the, the, the Republicans versus the Democrats in mm -hmm. baseball and they play at Nationals Park and whatnot. And there was a shooting at the Republican practice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the press conferences afterwards, I, I can't remember who the two congressmen were, but one was a Republican and one was a Democrat. And they're up at the podium talking about this and they're saying, listen, we cannot be more clear about this. Just because we come from different parties does not mean that we hate each other. We, we love each other. We eat lunch together. Our families spend holidays together, okay? And, and we, we make it a point to say that we care about one another even if our viewpoints might differ on how we apply what we believe to these discussions. Mm -hmm. um, 
that does not mean we do not care about one another. And, and that is the yeah. biggest thing to take away from this is that you right. do not, just because someone disagrees with you does not make them your enemy, does not make them the, the, the devil, does not mean that they deserve to die. Mm-hmm. You know, now granted, that was a very, very specific, unfortunate tragedy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but the message there is the same. Well, look at one of the town halls that John McCain held during his uh, run for president uh, in, uh, was that? 2008. 2008, when he was running against Barack Obama. And one of the, one of the, one of the people at the town hall, the, the audience members, raised her hand and called Obama a terrorist. And McCain was like, no, 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 no. He's not, no, 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 no. no. You, you, got it, you got it wrong. He's he's a public servant, who I who I who I have tremendous respect for, and I've worked with him numerous times. And he's he's a fine man. He's a fine gentleman. Don't don't you can't don't say that about. Yeah, absolutely. Him. You know it it, it is. <laughs> it's a, it and it, it's it, it's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. and, and I feel like we've lost a lot of that humility. It was 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, it just, it, it, it is, uh, I don't know. I just feel like we, we sort of need to come back to earth with a lot of that stuff. But yeah, um, you, just because you disagree with a side doesn't mean that you, you, you should be hurling insults at them. Right. Um, that's immature. Yeah. It's immature and, un- and unsportsmanlike. Yep. So, you know, that, that, and that, I think that's the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. And to make sure that you get a receipt for all of the tax deductions from your parking tickets and your speeding tickets. And my broken armrest because of how many times I pounded it. Oh, yours is broken now. Well, it's loose. I, okay. I, I, it's, it's screwed in. I have to. I have to get one of those. Oh crap! <laughs> That's a great. One. It's one of those hexagonal. Uh, I, I think I have an Allen wrench. Okay. Uh, there's a, There's nothing. There's no better way to end a podcast than to have your producer engineer away from the microphone, just going, "Ah oh, crap." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is a good way to put a bow on it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Now we'll do that. Well, yeah. we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll get, we'll find how much. Um, well, Sean, thank you. And, thank, uh, thank you. And, uh, we will catch everyone in October. And, uh, as a reminder, osafoundation.org, podcast at osafoundation.org, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Uh, and until next time, everybody, treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the Osip Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by Soundspring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.